Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. We were somewhere around Maryland when the beer began to take hold. I remember saying something like, someone else should drive. I'm starting to feel lightheaded. Suddenly, there was a terrible roar and all around us, the sky was full of what looked like huge flying dogs, all swooping and barking and diving around the car, which was going about 100 miles an hour with a top down to Frederick. And a voice was screaming, Holy Jesus! We better stop and record a show about Flying Dog and have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. I'm Casey Price. Hey, yeah. guys. Hey, everybody. Hi. <laughs> What's everyone been up to? Oh, oh, not a whole lot. It's been a... Uh, it's been a matter of hours since I last saw you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you came by bearing gifts for... Uh, Large, large sums of beer to be distributed. <laughs> oh no, we've uh, uh, yeah, it's been it's been kind of a slow week. Uh, I did manage to find another uh, another bottle of Curmudgeon's Better Half, so oh, yeah. uh, I missed out on the KB uh, the CBS explosion that happened. Apparently, they headed out yesterday. They had a, a special tap take or a little pint night at a oh. at the liquor store, and. Happened just the night before. I didn't. I, I had no idea. Oh, I was able to find it like all, well, yeah, all throughout the morning and early afternoon. Like I was really surprised, and I like a lot of the places that sold out instantly last year. When the line went through, they still had some left. <laughs> and from what I'm hearing, most places only got six cases. Wow. So demand was not what it was last year for this beer. I mean, well, the last time it was, it was the first time it was released in how many years? Like eleven years. Ten, yeah. yeah. So, so now it's just it's 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 less special. If it's going to be coming out all the time, you're kind of like, oh, well, I'll just get that. Yeah, maybe next time it'll be fine. Like maybe anybody right. who wanted to try it when it first, like the, this last time it came out, they're like, man, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was a whole different uh, generation of beer drinkers. <laughs> maybe. Uh, but yeah, it's just been been kind of dead lately. Uh, how about you guys? What's what's been going on? <laughs> hey, yeah, I mean, all I've been doing is playing Assassin's Creed. What what about everybody else? <laughs> hey, uh, as far as games go, I know I haven't been playing much of anything. Um, <laughs> if yeah. we're gonna go on that topic, uh, yeah, do you want to talk about your the continued adventures in dentistry? 
Well, okay, yeah, I had uh, CBS Adventures running around, uh, managed to score three bottles, could have gotten more, but just called it there because I couldn't think of a reason why I needed any more than that. <laughs> right, that's that's grown-up talk right there. Because uh, before, when I, like, when I first got into beer, it was like, when it came to KBS, I would buy any of it I visibly saw. If there was money in my bank account and I saw it, I bought it. That was just how it worked. Uh, you can ask Jim about how much of that is currently sitting down in his cellar because <laughs> I didn't have anywhere to put it all as I was buying it. So now we've learned a little bit of control. Uh, who in the chat? He says $25 a piece. How much did you spend on all those uh, compass box scotches? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a piece? <laughs> Call him uh, out. That's right. <laughs> Call him out on that compass box blended scotch. <laughs> yeah. But uh, aside from CBS, uh, my my tooth is done with. It, it they they put the permanent crown on it, so that oh, root canal okay. tooth they, they, they not done for. It out. <laughs> I wish. No, I actually got to when they pulled the the little temporary crown off, and I was like sitting there for ten minutes waiting for the dentist to come in. I was like tonguing it, and it's just like this useless little stump. And I'm like, why did you not just get this thing out of my mouth? Like, you left me nothing. All that's left is, are the, like, hollow roots in this little nub. And that is it. <laughs> I could have just yanked the thing to, to begin latch with. Onto. Yeah, well, yeah. But anyway, I've got the, the nice new new crown in there. And everything's fine with that tooth. And they were immediately trying to get me in next month to start with other stuff. And I was like, no. They're like, oh, we'll have to check and see what's left of your insurance. And I was like, no, I've been paying out of pocket for, like, months. You all are ringing <laughs> me dry. No. They know they can get your money. That's what it is. You took all the insurance. It's gone now. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. Um, now, on right. top of that, I was playing Rum Runner and uh, yeah. running some stuff back so we can record some episodes with some things Tyler dropped off when he was in town. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can't wait to dive into some of those. Never no. had anything from some of those guys. I know. I was looking at going, I haven't even heard of some of these places. This is going to be interesting. Gaspacho Gosa. That's I know. <laughs> that had to be on Casey's uh, radar. <laughs> I think he was talk- I think Tyler was talking about that before, and that's where we yeah uh, first started. That, but yeah, that sounds familiar. Um, yeah. So, uh, just we wanted to give everybody like no, not a lot of crazy details, but just a heads up that scheduling might get weird this month. Um, just a uh, there's a baby due. Well, and and there's, due dates moved up. There, yeah. What? So come on, we, we'll we'll stream during contractions. <laughs> Ugh, that'd be fun. What, what, uh, what does Twitch <laughs> say about about live streaming birth? The birth. God, can you imagine? Is, uh, is that going to be the next step? He, like dads are no longer in there with the giant, you know, the shoulder video cameras, getting all up in the business. You just got to get your phone out and you're like we're streaming to Twitch. Oh God, you no. know it's already been on Facebook Live. No, no, no you times yep. someone's gonna come in there with a shoulder mount but then someone else has to roll in like the 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 jib the the, oh, the, the boom the boom yeah. camera like yeah. just dropping it in like okay now pan it in slowly we need a low sweep in god it'll look like martin scorsese came in i'm sorry after having to watch those videos in that birthing class no i'm good like here comes here comes a little crew suddenly laying the camera track coming into the room and then like he just comes riding in on the big camera mount GoPro crowning stream. <laughs> uh. It's its own category. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm okay. Oh, oh God, M-Beam's a genius. 
<laughs> National treasure. But yeah, Next anyway. Next level on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll add that level. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to see that. Um. <laughs> so yeah, look uh, around Thanksgiving probably. So you might there might be a couple weeks yeah. where either we don't know things might there, get weird. We won't know. Uh, real things until at least next weekend and there's just uh there, there's some issues it is not it's not crazy serious or anything it's just it's gonna be earlier than we thought and yeah <laughs> so just a heads up for anybody watching the show like not it's not pod fading there's just <laughs> <laughs> there's just a lot of life happening literally life will uh find a way yeah <laughs> all right well that's one I'll announcement rip one out i think we've got some more <laughs> yes so uh <laughs> So I think from here on out, I'm just going to be like, well, uh, <laughs> baby the willing. The planned episode. This the is next... planning until yeah. until otherwise noted. Yeah, the next scheduled episode uh, will, as of right now, be live Saturday, November 10th, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, of course, on Twitch, covering the Robert Mondavi winery. Am I saying that correctly? Mondavi? Yeah. You know sure. it's going to be a good episode if we start with the title, not being able to pronounce it. <laughs> Man, I... I got nothing on that one. <laughs> We're just going to butcher it. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. They're all bad. What, what am I saying? Uh, yeah, as soon as we start even thinking about other foreign languages, we're like, well, <laughs> disclaimer. Uh, next, of course, the movie draft update. I have not heard this at all yet, so I'm actually really interested to see where we're at. Welcome to your Movie Draft Minute presented by DiamondClub.tv for the week of October 29, 2018. I'm your host, Big Voice Jay. PSA time. If you're planning on eating your way through the next 60 days, wear loose clothing. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Let's go to the scoreboard. Team Game Night is in last place, with Bohemian Rhapsody and the Nutcracker and the Four Realms combined for $24 million. Oh. Team Bond Squad's in fifth place with $40.9 million. Team Movie Party's in fourth place with $57.5 million. Team Have a Drink is in third place with $142.7 million. Team Drunk Edge Gaming is in second place with $195.2 million. And in first place, it's Team Retro Misery with $230.6 million. That's your Movie Draft Minute, all totals are accurate as of November 3rd, 2018. Doing good. Halloween keeps performing and breaking records for us. It broke the uh, Hall- like Halloween night box office record. That's what I was hoping for. Like Thursday, literally, yeah. just need that need that movie on Halloween to bring in a little extra money and then maybe kind of coast for a little bit. We had a couple weeks of really no competition. Like nothing noteworthy came out movie wise, and it was the first time a Halloween themed movie or just a horror movie came out on Halloween. Yeah. In the past few years, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Third, so, third's not a bad place to start, I have to say. <laughs> and you know what? Next, next week is is we have we have the weekend. The Grinch. Well, well, I take that back. Uh, uh, Vod Squad also has Overlord, but we have two movies coming out next week. Oh well, yes, we yeah. can't forget the horror movie that comes out uh, more in November than near Halloween. Oh, is right. that what that is? That'd be f- yeah, it's Nazi had- zombies. Oh, okay, yeah. Because yeah, the tagline had- is, uh, to build a thousand-year Reich, you need thousand-year soldiers. Oh, gosh. Okay, right. Yeah, so what's... Uh, yeah, next week we'll get to see at least a bump in ours. We'll, I, I'm I'm really interested to see what the Grinch is going to do and how long that can go because the Grinch... I mean, it's the first Christmas-themed movie. Well, no, besides... They just... 
the Nutcracker, Nutcracker, just, Nutcracker came just came out. Yeah, that's true. But, but apparently only, that's not doing much. So. Because okay, who called that one when we had the yeah, yeah. the pre-draft <laughs> yeah. thing? Both uh, of us had to so, talk you down. You're correct. You're correct. Because we both just looked at each other and said, "That's a hot pile of garbage." And sure enough, all the reviews are just like, tonally, this thing has no idea what it's trying to do, what it's trying to be. They just paid all the big stars to be in this thing and yeah. hoped that visuals would carry it. So it made, the domestic gross right now of Nutcracker is $5.6 million. <laughs> Yeah, that's opening Sue. weekend. <laughs> Bad. I mean, we're not through the whole weekend yet, but... No, but still. <laughs> that won't even pay for half of a percent of a ballast point. <laughs> that's how we're going to gauge these things is how much right. the percentage towards ballast points buyout yeah so i'm, I'm really interested to see how the, how the grinch is going to do um I, uh, but girl i think... on the girl on the spider's web i'm hoping people will see that trailer and go there's some explosions in this movie so the way they're marketing I see it yeah there's some explosions and they're marketing it as this whole uh it not fitting it in with the Me Too movement, but it's this whole like getting revenge kind of thing in some of the ads that I've seen. Well, and you've got to, you know, you're still going to have like the book people who are going to, oh, yeah, want to see just, you know. I never read those books. I was always kind of curious. I've, I've heard uh, the books are okay. Um, I read the first one. It was all right. Oh, I didn't yeah. watch the movie though. Well, because they made, was it three movies they've tried? Well, there were two modern versions and there was an uh, older version. But they didn't do it. Uh-huh. It was it was all like because isn't there like a series of them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just starts yeah. with girls dragon tattoo, and that's the one that right. they've done two of like two modern versions. Kings then... of Hornet's Nest. Uh, uh, I don't know yeah. what else, but yeah, yeah. Um, I, so I don't think we're in danger after those two movies of ours come out next until Fantastic Beasts come out. I'm 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 wondering how that's going to be. By the way, I keep reading at Fantastic Beast the crimes of Griswold. <laughs> <laughs> The crime like, of Clark yes, Griswold. Yes, Chevy Chase is a monster. I need that photoshopped uh, with, oh, <laughs> with a, you swap Johnny Depp's character out of that and put Clark Griswold into it. It's amazing. Uh, so, the Harry Potter books. Did you all ever read those? Uh, nope, Brittany did. I read all until like halfway through the seventh book, and then I just got mad. Oh, I look, enjoyed. Look, that's enjoyed that's going to make so much m- money, Casey. That I'm. You're going to get taken out and beaten. (laughs) Um, Grindelwald is, if I'm not mistaken, I think he is the person that Rowling came back and said later was the lover of Dumbledore. He's the guy, he's the father of the family in uh, uh, National Vacation or National Lampoon's. (laughs) Griswold? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. I've heard good established clearly who he is. You serious, Clark? oh god we have to show you guys those outfits never mind uh <laughs> that's a separate thing uh yeah but no okay so i'm i post show uh, we'll be looking at baby clothes <laughs> get ready but that. our our week is coming up for for yeah. movies that'll actually kind of but they are totally pivot. hitting two different audiences so we're yes. not really competing against ourselves yeah no no not next week um but, I mean, next week's going to show what we're going to do until Mary Poppins comes out, because that's not well, until middle Mary, of December. Mary Poppins is going to be an issue, because roll, I want, roll to release weekend, uh, if anyone's got it up, and look what else. Like, there is a gigantic slate of movies coming out. Well, because Christmas, yeah. It's like, it's that time. Because Aquaman's also dropping that week. And like, but it again, is, different audience. Well, everything's <laughs> going to be pulling from everybody, so none of those movies are going to have a big turnout, is what mm. the problem is going to be. Mm. 
Uh, yeah. I don't know. We can we can talk about this for hours. Yeah, honestly. sorry. We need <laughs> to start a new podcast. We, we need to move Maybe. on down through here because uh, I think we have... Yes, uh, Drinktacular. So, uh, hoping to see you guys Friday, Feb-teb- Feb-tebuary. <laughs> Feb-tebuary. <laughs> February 22nd, uh, that Sunday through February 24th, uh, 2019. So, yes, next year, this, this February coming in Asheville, North Carolina. Join us for brewery tours, brewery hopping, and bottle shares. It's going to be a great time. And I believe uh, we have booked our first tour officially it's, well it's been confirmed that they can fit us in at the time slot we wanted and so we just got to go ahead and make the payment on it and uh get it settled but they're they're good to go and i think that's the other thing we're probably ready to announce is that before we'd been toying with you know a little ticket thing to you know get make sure we knew the right numbers and everything and then we'll finish setting it up uh, we might just do an email to confirm with us but we're just gonna pay the costs up front so there's no tickets guys uh, just email us and let us know 100% that you're coming. And if you can't come last second, let us know because that'll change some bookings on our end. But we're just going to cover all the tour fees. All and right. Then it, and then it goes quiet. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But so just... unless unless you're in uh, Scotland and going to be taking the BrewDog uh, inaugural <laughs> airline flight uh, that same weekend, uh, come down to... North Carolina, Asheville, Beer City, USA, and let's let's have some fun. Hmm. All right, and I believe we actually have a news story related to the topic. Oh. <laughs> We're newsing to style. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen often, but it's great when uh, a news story comes up to our topic the day we are recording. This is hot off the presses. Uh, UK agency wants Flying Dogs Easy IPA beer off shelves. Bum, bum, bum. And if it tells you anything, pre-show, we had to sit here and Casey had to walk me through the issues with this. And it took me like five minutes to come to terms with what the actual issue is here. So it's, it's, I think it's a bit of a stretch, but you know. Whatever. Nearly 3,500 miles from its Frederick facility, Flying Dog Brewery finds itself entangled in a marketing controversy. They're, they're not new to marketing controversies. They are not. Uh, as you'll find out. The Portman Group, a trade organization in the United Kingdom that aims to promote responsible alcohol consumption, released a public assessment on Friday that the packaging assessment. <laughs> uh, packaging for Flying Dogs Easy IPA could encourage excessive drinking. The retailer Alert Bulletin uh, concludes by asking UK stores to not carry the beer. The majority, you know, of- and I was getting ready to say, like, I'm, like, I'm impressed. They're getting all the way to the UK for their, for their yeah. distribution. Uh, the majority of the key retailers here agree to abide by decisions issued by the independent complaints panel, and as such, will take the item off the shelf," said a Portman Group spokes spokeswoman in an email. So all everyone is going to just agree with this group and say, "Oh no, yeah, we're going to take it off the shelves." Uh, Flying Dog CEO Jim Caruso believes that this ruling. Though not mandated, not mandated by UK law, will virtually eliminate Easy IPA from UK stores because of agency's influence. Uh, the Portman Group is funded by eight and eight member or eight member companies who represent every sector of drinks uh, production and collectively account for more than half the UK alcohol market, according to the group's wow. website. Uh, member companies include conglomerates such as Diageo, AB InBev, and Molson Coors. Mm. One shoe came down. (laughs) 
Uh, the artwork, which is usually what gets them into trouble, uh, which has drawn by Welsh artist Ralph Steadman, famous for his collaborations with Hunter S. Thompson, features an upright pig-like character with one foot on the ground and the other in the air, while the pig's arms are outstretched to the sides. I was looking at this going, I don't, I don't get what the issue is. The Portman Group said because there's a line under the pig's feet and the character's eyelids and nose were red, the illustration looked akin to someone balancing along a line to demonstrate sobriety, which could be seen as encouraging drunkenness. It's such a stretch. Flying Dog, which has been sold in the UK for approximately 15 years, vehemently rejects this uh, reading of the packaging. I think it's just a plain, flat-out insult to every British adult to suggest that uh, Stedman art, they can't handle it. If they see this Stedman art, they're going to lapse into drunken, irresponsible behavior, Caruso said. It's They're seeing what they want to see. It's bullcrap. Like, I feel like people just want to attack them for the... Like, they just don't like the art, ever. Well, it's the art and some of the names, because uh, well, we'll yeah. get into the, the rest of some of their other controversies. <laughs> Uh, Chris said the company uh, does not give Stedman, who creates all the art for its beers, any creative directives for its products. No element of the packaging for Easy IPA, which has been sold in the UK for a few years, suggests or promotes irresponsible drinking, he said. Uh, we like characters as opposed to landscapes. That's it, Caruso said. Uh, they've lawyered some meaning on this uh, that it's only in their head, in my opinion. George Haley, a professor of marketing and international business at the University of New Haven, said he was not surprised the flying dog packaging has caused a stir in the UK, a region that has worked to decrease youth drinking in recent years. Look, all this about, if you look at that can, I don't know, can you bring it up at all? Um, It is, out of some of their more, uh, (laughs) I don't want to say titillating isn't the right word but of their more uh risque risque or vulgar cans this is like the most mild of (laughs) any of the artworks that they've ever shown i don't i don't even i don't get it i can't even i can't can't find the i can't find the picture on their yeah because it blacks it out on the article yeah Yeah, uh, but if you go to beer advocate and pull it up you can see it and it's (laughs) <laughs> just looks like a dude who's who's well, you know also when they said pig i'm staring at it going that's a pig <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's the other he's thing it's like he's got human hands and feet it's just a man with the with big ears and he's naked the retailers are going to go with uh what makes them profits Haley said some of them uh it might come off but not the bulk of them Originally, a U.K. resident submitted a complaint to the Portman Group over what the consumer perceived as packaging made to appeal to kids, is what the original complaint was. Yeah. Huh. This this is kind of ridiculous, and it's a shame that, that this has ended up going to, going to be an issue like it is, but... Like, uh, part of me is like, they should be used to this kind of thing. You'd think their legal department's kind of like, all right, now we're we're ready for this kind of nonsense. Yeah. Well, uh, the U.S. has a more laissez-faire approach in promotion and advertising compared to the U.K., Haley said. 
they are much more sensitive to anything that might cause controversy. Flying Dog is no stranger to controversy over its marketing. Uh, if you'll remember, in 2009, the Michigan Liquor Control Commission rejected the brand's attempt to register the Raging Bitch Belgian-style IPA beer, uh, labeled in the same state because it was deemed detrimental to health, safety, or welfare of the general public. We'll get we'll get more into that more one on later. that later. Yeah, we'll leave that one as it sits for now. But this, I don't know, is the artwork really something that people can be getting that upset about when it comes to this? Because that is one of their more genteel labels. <laughs> I've got it up now. Did, yeah. Did you just ask if something was something people could get that upset about? Everything is something yeah. that people yeah. get upset about. It's 2018. Could a special interest group get upset about this? Yes. Yes, this weird uh, pig gremlin-looking thing standing on one foot with his arms outstretched. I was going to say, like, yeah, if you're on, on the stream right now, I've got the, the picture up. It, it just... I don't get this at all. Like, the upsetness of it. I, I don't... Whatever. I don't... <laughs> I don't understand. I keep... I keep wondering if he's got a very long chin or if it's just a two-colored part of his stomach. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's <laughs> why did you say that? Now I'm looking at it weird. I'm like, is this the Jay Leno of pigs or something? Like, I don't yeah, know. that's what I keep thinking. Like, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, he's got a big chin. And it looks like it doesn't look like a pig. He's it either got like, a big chin or no chin. It's like a like a mole person, or I don't know. It, it looks yeah, it looks more like a person. Like I, I guess they went, oh, he's got an upturned nose. Like yeah, but. It's also red. That, that I guess red nose, hands out. The line just means there's a there's ground there, but you know, yeah. whatever. It doesn't look like he's actually walking the line. No, I no. Or, or or doing any sobriety test because his hands are out. You know, uh, uh, palms facing out. He's not like touching his nose. I don't know. I just the whole thing's just dumb. <laughs> they just people just want to get upset sometimes. So in the chat, they're talking about maybe it's the easy aspect of it, but this is uh, a lot of breweries are advertising because it's a session IPA and they're very low ABV and they're very, they're really light on uh, some of the flavors. So they are meant to like, so you can sit down and crush a pack of these and not be totally trashed. Right. So it's like easy or all day. And then um, what are some of the other names on some of these sessions that are... Um uh easy all day um immediately well, start thinking i'm drawing a blank because i can't think of anything else. dogfish is just 60 minute yeah but that's not a session though is it well not technically it's one of their more sessionables well you picture the the all day ipa can yeah what, is it just like a like a vehicle or it's like a kayak it's a i was thinking it was like a truck in a field but i was I'm, thinking I, it was a truck too yeah Either yeah. way, like, what is that supposed to mean then? Should you be drunk driving? Like, that's the, this is the thing. Like, they're they're reading so much into this; it's ridiculous. But I, at this point, like, it's not a legal reason that they're doing this, and I, I I don't know English law to know if they've got any kind of recourse to say, right? Hey, let's. I know English law, and we're gonna we're gonna be able to tune into Parliament, and we're gonna be able to see. Some fisticuffs, and there's going to be some extreme yelling and some punches God. thrown. That's the one thing I miss about cable is late night watching Parliament. <laughs> yeah, it gets it's a, it's a weird, right. It's <laughs> a weird thing to it's a weird thing to, to to say, but God, watching them yell at each other is a lot more entertaining because you know American parliamentary procedure is very like 
doing everything kind of by the you know you do a few like weird things but it's one person talking them it's like person gets up you know yells the guy across the table at him and slams his hand down sits down and the other guy comes like no sir you are an idiot and then both sides of the room leap to their feet and are all just screaming and shouting and throwing papers and it's it's amazing they get things done it should be pay-per-view events is what it should be <laughs> all right well let's let's turn this mood around and talk about some untapped bad get riggedy riggedy <laughs> speaking of a 60 minute ipa IPA is for the holidays. Oh, I almost thought you were getting into like the Latin like thing for the Christmas song. IPA so <laughs> domine. That's what I heard. Okay. Uh, anyway, it's the most wonderful time of the beer year. <laughs> Anyway, IPAs uh, for the holidays celebrate a an old world style we've embraced, tweaked, and reinvented with our most beloved hop forward beers. Offerings like our classic sixty minute IPA and the all new holiday variety pack uh, on shelves now is the gift that keeps on giving. I need to try to find that. That sounds yeah, interesting. We, we did it last actually. year, so I think did we? when we were doing the video episodes, we were still doing them. This is one of our last ones that we did, I think. Did we? Oh, I didn't recall doing that one, but yes, I was did. drinking at the time. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. check into uh, any of the following Dogfish Head IPAs between November 1st and December 31st, and you'll unlock three, uh, up to three levels of the IPAs for the holidays uh, badge. Uh, the first check-in will earn you level one, second will lead, let you level two, and finally, enjoy three Dogfish Spectacular IPAs to get level 74. No, three. Uh, anyway, the beers you can get are the 60-minute, the 75-minute, the 90-minute, the 120-minute, Flesh and Blood Liquid Truth Serum, Lupa Luau, 61, and Viniferous IPA. I think yeah. the Viniferous is the new one. That's the one in the pack. So I'm looking up the pack right now. Well, the 61 and Viniferous you can only get in the pack. Yeah. Yeah. Last year it was only the six, the 61 was the like exclusive one to the pack that you couldn't get outside of it. And that was honestly the only reason we did an episode on the pack. Because <laughs> I needed an excuse to get that beer. To get to that to get that in. The yet. Viniferous sounds really interesting. I want to try the 75 minute. I've been seeing the packs out. I haven't found it in singles yet. Been yeah, on. that's why I was like, 75, you say? The devil, you say. The verniferous mm-hmm. is fermented with Riesling, and that word, grape, must, and uh, Hollertau Blanc, and melon, mm. and Eldorado. Like, holy crap. It said melon, and I heard melanin, and I was like, "It's wait, it's what? <laughs> How tan is this beer? <laughs> yes. Uh, and then the 61 is another of the beer-wine hybrids. Yeah. Uh, that's so weird. I mean, they do those really well, though, Like, so I'm not even going to question it. The 61 sounds familiar enough when you said beer-wine hybrid that I went, we probably did do that pack. It's just I don't remember any episodes we do. That was like last year. <laughs> that was a good pack, and I'll, I'll grab some singles to get these badges. I, I don't think I have the excuse to buy buy the pack again this year. Mm. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we got another badge. Two badges. Two. Yes. Getting spoiled this week. Uh, yes. So this one is. Uh, a, 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 has this one come around before? My or my crazy? It's been a while. Okay. Uh, Backwoods bastard from Founders. Mm. Um, it's a 
fun little badge until you see the creepy guy there in the background, which is the backwards bastard, I guess. Uh, our bourbon barrel aged Scotch ale, backwards bastard, aka the elusive uncle to dirty bastard. A uh, smooth malt forward, slightly smoky and peaty, with just the right amount of hop balance sipper. Now available year round, and you can uh, kick back and ex- excite the palate at any time now. I didn't need the excuse. I was already planning to get a pack for uh, Thanksgiving because yeah. Backwoods has just become one of those like perfect like post-dinner beers for Thanksgiving hmm. and Christmas. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but basically, okay, so check into one of these during the month of November. So you get the whole month. Um, we're, we're just starting out here, so you've got a, a good minute now. And you get the badge. So <laughs> No shaving and get all the Backwoods bastard you can. <laughs> Welcome to November. Yep, indeed. Well, uh, I guess we are ready to just get right into this topic. I guess we kind of already have. <laughs> get more into the topic then, I suppose. Been on that drunk, seeking bastards. Been on that drunk. Been on that drunk. Been not that drunk. I mean, give me a minute. I forgot how strong the beer I'm drinking is. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty strong, and uh, I'm liking what's going on. Oh yeah, I need to smell that still. So it may be worth noting, I think, at the top of this episode or top of this part of it, that there's going to be some stronger language. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like a lot of their titles are. I mean, <laughs> we're not necessarily. We probably still aren't going to get an explicit label, but still, be yeah. warned. Yeah, if you, if you you don't want to list this one windows rolled down and probably in front of your church. <laughs> or not that this brewery's, you know, known for controversy or anything. Hmm. And that's part of part of what what kind of makes them special in their own right. Well, the story of Flying Dog is anything but traditional. I came this close to going into the Brian Brushwood history of fire eating <laughs> speech. The concept of resistance to fire is as old as time itself. Uh, the concept of brewing is as old as time itself. Anyway, uh, Dogfish Head, uh, sorry, not Dogfish, Flying Dog is <laughs> anything but traditional. Look, I'm going to do that a lot. There's we a lot of dogs, up, you guys. We looked it up pre-show, <laughs> and you like they are close to each other. The breweries are. so Two and a half hour drive, so that's not bad. Within a day close of each enough. other. Could do, do a day at the dogs. Hmm. Uh, say unless you consider the traditional nature of having to overcome hurdles and hardships in the most American way. Uh, the brewery is al- also isn't typical with the beers they make, their growth strategies, or even the labels that cover their bottles and cans. But probably one thing that will be certain is uh, 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 one thing will be certain: they're a brewery that survives, fights for what they believe in, and thrives in even the most dire situations. Uh, the brewery has become a leader not only in the world of beer, but in their fights for in their fight for First Amendment and free speech. Uh, Flying Dog was founded first as a brew pub, but not in Frederick, Maryland, where it's located today. No, it started one thousand eight hundred miles away in Aspen, Colorado, by two founders, George Stranahan and Richard McIntyre. Uh, Stranahan was a physicist with a degree from the California Institute of Technology and the Carnegie Institute of Technology who had previously co-founded the Aspen Center of Physics. He had left an associate professorship at Michigan State University in 1972 to assume ownership of a ranch 
in Carbondale, Colorado, just north of Aspen. Sounds like it's probably a pretty country. Yeah, uh, something tells me property values may have played some role in their story. Mm. Uh, he ran the farm, raised and raised cattle. He published a magazine. He ran a Central American restaurant. It's very specific. Like you do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in later years, he became a photographer. In 1980, he took an, uh, took another step towards uh, alcohol establishment ownership with the Woody Creek Tavern. Tavern became famous in that uh, in its time for its close relationship to Gonzo journalist Hunter S. Thompson, who frequented the establishment on a near nightly basis when uh, of for late lunches when in town. Hmm. <laughs> near nightly for late lunches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, for. For Thompson, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thompson is Stranahan, who previously served as uh, Thompson's landlord. Where uh, uh, I hear Thompson didn't rarely pay rent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he strikes me as the type. You're, you're, I'm surprised, Casey. He strikes me as the type who would regularly adhere to a regular schedule. <laughs> uh, anyway, they had a close friendship since the late 1960s. Uh, in 1983, George Stranahan and Richard McIntyre and a crew of 10 close friends decided to climb K2 Mountain in the Himalayas. Jesus. <laughs> Obviously. Like you, like you do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, for a minute there, I was like, is that where K2 is? Oh, I'm thinking of K1. <laughs> uh, anyway, the second highest mountain peak in the world. The story goes that they had uh, with them a suitcase of contraband alcohol, a donkey, and a Sherpa. That's all you need for climbing mountains. You don't even need rope. Uh, about halfway through the trip, the alcohol was depleted. Oh, nope, they're doomed. <laughs> and their sh- Sherpa su- suffered a broken leg. And much... <laughs> the donkey led them the rest of the way. They had to put the, <laughs> sh- had to put the Sherpa down. <laughs> <laughs> I heard he made an excellent glue. Eventually, the entire crew made it back unharmed. Uh, after the trek, the group settled in a Flashman Hotel in Rawalapindi? Rawalapindi. Perfect. Uh, no, probably not, but I, 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 like, that sounds worse. I like it that way. Uh, in, in Pakistan to have a drink. Uh, hanging on to a wall of the hotel the painting of a, was a painting of a flying dog made by a local Pakistani woman, Fantima Jina. I'm guessing that's it. I, I just took a, took a stab at that last name. Uh, the yeah. painting depicts a classical Chinese fawn uh, pug with uh, wings. I want to see this. George, uh, George and his crew were inspired by the picture... And the idea of the Flying Dog, which eventually took root in the creation of the company. Flying Dog Brew Pub was founded just a few years later in 1990 in Aspen. The brew pub was successful, being uh, the first in the city in over 100 years, as well as being the first in the region. It's the first time when a craft beer was experiencing... uh, Sorry, this was at a time when craft beer was experiencing its first big boom, and the tourism to the uh, ski slopes kept the beer flowing. Flying Dog quickly outgrew production of the brew pub and sought to open a brewery that could produce a much larger volume. Ushering us in to the Caruso era. Jim Caruso is the current CEO of Flying Dog. Uh, He is a devout libertarian. In his own words, thanks to the Ayn Rand book, uh, Atlas Shrugged, which he read in one espresso-fueled weekend. Yeah, no, nothing about that is surprising so far. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) He's a devout libertarian. He was inspired from Atlas Shrugged. Yeah. And <laughs> please please tell me the difference from every other libertarian. Yeah. 
Uh, he is Here so, it is. He is so staunch in his belief and is so libertarian, he isn't even part of the Libertarian <laughs> Party. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I can respect that. His other philosophies include self-reliance and objectivism and happiness as a choosable state. Caruso had spent seven years as president of a public company and was ready to start small in the late 80s and early 90s. He and a partner okay, began... Hold on. There's an actor that Caruso is making me think of. Who is it? Because this is bothering me right now. Uh, actor, it... some sort of famous person. I feel like it's not the, the Caruso from, um, like, Robinson Caruso. I don't think so. Uh, sorry, I just typed Curso instead of Caruso. Uh, nope, never mind. Okay, the internet's not helping right now. Continue on. <laughs> he and a partner began buying up old historic buildings and turning them into brew pubs. He would take this venture all across the nation doing the same thing. Buy a historic building, renovate and restore, build a brew pub, and then move to the next. When Flying Dog was ready to expand in 1994, he had already been a partner in another small brewery wishing to expand. Uh, you, you may have heard of this brewery. It was uh, Wincoop. Yeah. So, yeah, th that name gets around. Caruso, uh, Wincoop Brewing, and Flying Dog formed a joint venture in Denver, Colorado called Broadway Brewing, where they could produce much larger runs of beer on the 30-barrel or... Yeah, 30-barrel or 50-barrel accounts uh, differ brewing system. Caruso's partner in these ventures later went on to politics, where he served as a two-term mayor of Denver and has been the governor of Colorado since 2011. John Hinkelooper? Hickenlooper? Hickenlooper, yeah. That, that, that's a name. By 2000, Flying Dog decided to purchase the rest of the stake in the brewery from Wincoop. And even... Oh, see David name. Caruso. There you oh, go. Okay. Sorry. Just finally got it back. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, purchased the rest of the stake from the brewery, uh, of the brewery from Wincoop, and even opened a second location in Denver. Their brand uh, was growing and so the company decided to take on a second location on the East Coast to better serve their customers. In May 2006, Flying Dog purchased the bankrupt Frederick Brewing Company. The previous microbrew bubble had popped, and unscrupulous breweries were closing down. The demand was not so great as it had once been, and the world of beer saw a shrinkage once again. Uh, with the addition of... The Frederick Brewery Flying Dog was able to produce an additional 80,000 barrels of beer per year. What may not have been said uh, at the time was that the original brewery in Denver was in dire need of improvements. By some estimates, uh, nearly a million dollars worth. Whew. So that place had uh, kind of been forgotten about a little. They, they needed to get, get some janitors in there, a little maintenance work. The purchase of the additional location may have been a strategic move to cut losses on the old brewery and still keep the brand alive. Flying Dog was having its best years to date and uh, could better survive the changes by growing into a single facility. By 2007, the company closed its Denver location and focused efforts in Maryland. Hmm. By 2015, 
Flying Dog had grown to be able to produce 100,000 barrels per year, and it announced plans to grow into nearly 700,000 barrels of capacity. They purchased a 32 or purchased 32 acres of land just a couple of miles from the brewery in the city of Frederick for 2.55 million dollars. In the short term, they uh, were interested in doing a farm brewery where they could do uh, open fermentation, experimental beers, wild yeast, and beers that you typically wouldn't incorporate in your standard primary facility. Hmm. Uh, which actually, <laughs> really ahead of its time when you're thinking about it. Yeah, they wanted to be a rogue like, before like, rogue was. Yeah, I was like, man, that sounds that sounds fun. Also included was a music venue. They like to do concerts here at the brewery, but can only accommodate a thousand people. So uh, the plans involved a venue for six to ten thousand people. Just gonna up that number a little bit. The brewery's plans, however, have been put on hold indefinitely. It may have been a move to see how the economics of beer change over the next few years, or it may be to see where the next state, the next step may take Flying Dog. Yeah, I imagine with uh, the 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 beer market's contraction, it's not a uh, not yeah. as likely to happen. Yeah, things are getting a little tighter for him. Uh, Flying Dog quoted legislative issues as the reason they would not be going forward with the plan. In 2016, a protracted debate between breweries and state lawmakers over operating hours, production capabilities, and other regulations played out during the General Assembly. This was the same time Diageo was bringing a Guinness brewery to uh, Relay. Is that it? Or probably just Relay. Relay, uh, Maryland. A bill with, with compromises... Uh, to both sides was eventually passed though brewers still expressed displeasure with having to make concessions the new and that's le- a sign of a good compromise right no <laughs> one's happy <laughs> yeah that's, I guess that's one way you can look at it uh, new legislation increased the amount of beer breweries were able to sell in their on site tap rooms but tap room operating hours at new breweries were reduced I think you covered some of that back in the one of the episodes I wasn't on here the weird laws yeah or if you sold on on oh, site, yeah. you could only sell up to so many barrels or something like that. Yep. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that's what's uh, led a lot of it to be like they can only sell such a small amount on premises that they have to find ways to reduce it. So it's like just a tasting if you do a tour and things like that. Uh, mm. While the company would not elaborate on the other expansions uh, expansion options, it's exploring. Crusoe's statement to the Baltimore Sun ended with the mention of another potential project in the works. Flying Dog, this is the quote, Flying Dog is in the early stages of getting back into the distillery business, but no specifics have been confirmed at this time. Hmm. So, maybe maybe we can be getting some spirits out of Flying Dog. So they really are trying to be rogue. Could Flying Dog uh, be the next craft distiller in changing the changing alcohol world? Or could they be eyeing the more brewery-friendly Virginia as another potential move? We don't know, but we definitely are interested because if we get them down in Virginia, they'd be even closer. (laughs) And it would actually give us a reason to go to Virginia. I mean, there There's a few things there. I mean, probably 30 miles from the border. Virginia just want to see some steampunk mice. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, we still haven't made it over there. Yeah. Uh, there's something else. I mean, Virginia is the other like, oh, let's just move there, kind of place, which is weird. 
Um, all right. So you can almost call this controversy number two. <laughs> Uh, or, or number one. It's actually like number five, but <laughs> number two we're going to cover. Yeah. Uh, so the raging bitch lawsuit in Michigan. <laughs> Look, they couldn't shut her up. And, uh, oh, no, not that one. Okay. No. Uh, no. In the state of Michigan, Flying Dog attempted to bring in their beer, Raging Bitch. They caught a call that said that state police would confiscate the beer, in the, all the beer in the state, if it wasn't off shelves in 24 hours. Caruso stated that the company chose the edgy name and label because it reflected the nature of the El Diablo Belgian yeast used to make the beer. The word bitch had been banned from Michigan, however, on any alcohol label. That's really specific. Um, Beers like Bitches Brew from Dogfish Head had already been turned down in the state, as well as other alcoholic drinks using the words bitch, bubbly bitch, royal bitch. (laughs) Uh, so the word bastard was not, however, banned in the same vein. Beers like Fat Bastard, Arrogant Bastard, and backward, or Backwoods Bastard, I wonder why, uh, were all okay. <laughs> uh, you know, when I was younger, I always thought thought those terms were you know, just the male and female equivalent of each other. And I was like, yeah, people don't mind bastard as much. <laughs> I always thought bastard was a bad word when I was little. So, <laughs> I mean, it is. This just comes... This just reminds me of the new Burt Kreischer special special on Netflix. I uh, think I've brought it up before. Yeah, you bring that up all the time. But he's talking about uh, which is worse for women, being called a bitch or being called the C-word. Uh, okay, so anyway. I, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of that there's a there's a beer called Kyle's... The way around it is you call a beer oh. Kyle's mom. Oh. Oh. Kyle's mom. Well, well. But yeah, that Burt Kreischer special, when he covers that when he asked his wife... Which is worse for a woman, uh, being called a bitch or being called the c word? And she she said the c word, right? Or no, she said the, she said being called a bitch. That's what it was. Because she and knows the, she's not a. Yeah. And that's when he's like, "So you want to be called?" And then that's when. Just go watch the special. Just go watch the special. <laughs> we, we can't. We can't You're really get keep into it. about it otherwise. So. Uh, okay. So. Um, yes. Yeah, so the word bastard was somehow okay because I don't know. Maybe founders is there. Uh, the State of Michigan Alcohol Control Board claimed it was due to the word being detrimental to health, safety, and welfare of the good citizens of the state of Michigan. So, Michigan, what, uh, uh-huh. what, uh, what you got going on? What, like, what, what is that even about? Okay, uh, in the appeal process, it came out that it was not about the First Amendment, but the evidence they gave was that Oprah Winfrey didn't use it on her show, and the Westminster Kennel Club didn't use it during their dog show. <laughs> Because Oprah won't say bitch. They're like, no, we can't We can't have that on a beer label. Uh, these explanations were some of the most cited examples of why Flying Dog sued the state of Michigan Alcohol Control Board in the Western District. Damn well they should have. Uh, the attorney for the state reported visiting Flying Dog's website where he found the remark, Raging bitch, if you're lucky, your bitch will look this sexy after 20 years. Noting that <laughs> not... Quote, many dogs live 20 years, the attorney observed. Uh, there is a tenor, if you will, to the promotion that I think you have quite correctly caught and need to address. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Commissioner Weatherspoon observed that a dog's not going to drink this beer and it stays and it says in heat, which is which specifically refers to a female dog. So you got to get me from the dog in terms of the reference here to humans. 
Caruso. Exact quote straight from him. Yeah, that's the direct <laughs> quote. Is, you gotta get me. I mean, that's just <laughs> odd to see you've written. Yeah. Uh, you gotta get me. Well, you know, he said it, and a stenographer is taking it down. Exactly. Yeah. You gotta get me from... <laughs> uh, Caruso explained that it's a play on words. He also argued that the commission had previously approved Flying Dog's beer label for In Heat Wheat, and at one time had approved the name Blonde Bitch, submitted by Horny Bitch Beer Company. Wow, that's a, okay. That's a kind of a horrible name, actually. Um, <laughs> Commissioner uh, Gagliardi uh, stated, "We don't believe in censorship, but we are also placing a product in front of 10 million people in the state of Michigan." That product goes in front of all ages from children on up. They go to the supermarkets. They go to the party stores with their parents. And yes, although beers are in a certain area, they will still walk by them. He concluded that, quote, we do have a responsibility here to place product in a public place with the names that are on it. And that's what we take very seriously. Okay. Flying Dog lost the suit. Uh, But shortly after, the commission then rescinded Rule 436.1611 because it it required, quote, a heightened degree of scrutiny of commercial speech regulated by the government. The commission approved Flying Dog's Raging Bitch label, prompting the district court to dismiss the motion for a preliminary injunction as moot. Nice. uh, (laughs) Flying Dog, however, was out for blood and decided to sue in order to receive damages for what was potentially a violation of their first amendment rights. The case was presented in the sixth court of Cincinnati. Uh, In that court, the opinion of the appeals court came back in favor of flying dog. Even the minority opinion stated that their first amendment rights had been violated. They were awarded money to support their legal fees, but the additional funds were used to create the first amendment society a separate group funded in part by Flying Dog. <laughs> um, you got I was love- about to go like, I was like, that, that seems a little excessive. You got, you know, it's over. You don't have to deal with it. No, we're suing them. You got to love the spirit <laughs> right. of Flying Dog through this. And they're just like, no, it's not right. It is. It was kind of a garbage thing, actually. Yeah. So, uh... And to hear, to hear him talk about it, you know, uh, The necessarily this this fanatical. At least he doesn't sound like it. Let me say that much. Um, something may come out next week, but he's not super fanatical with everything. He's he's kind of staunch in his belief. But they made like forty thousand dollars off of this, paid their lawyer, and then what was left over they gave t- and, and created this whole new um, this yeah. whole new group. And that's uh, that's but, the part of it there that turns it around because like I was kind of like oh they're just suing again. I was like oh you used the money to yeah. to set up a First Amendment. And even, I'm fine with that. The the suit or the, in the Supreme Court decision, the dissenting opinion wasn't because they disagreed with them winning it. It was because they said we should just go ahead and award the money now and not have to have them go back to another court to get to to <laughs> like fight this lawsuit again. But let the other court just decide how much, and we'll say go ahead and take the money. Uh, so that was the only thing that descended from that. It was very obviously a First Amendment um, mm-hmm. in, injunction. And this goes back to like Citizens United and some do do businesses have First Amendment rights and that sort of thing. So um, there's a lot of other issues lying inside of it. But it, it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. And I think the brewery 
has a lot of, of input on that. Yeah, yeah, but this this case is setting precedent moving forward for a lot of other cases where we're seeing uh, people try and make moves against uh, Three Floyds for a lot of their labels, like the Behemoth label and things like that. And this ruling is impacting a lot of labels now. And as I as I read through, what was really the the president that was set with this ruling? It wasn't the fact that labels are are First Amendment violations. It was the fact that can you sue the state or can you sue these commissioners who impose their their basic beliefs on your First Amendment rights? So it wasn't did they violate it? It was once they do violate it, do you have any recourse to go back and say, hey? Uh, you really did something sucky there. You should pay for what you did. And that was really the big portion mm-hmm. of, of where this lawsuit kind of set president was that these committees that were set by politicians, I mean, yeah. for all intents and purposes, these, these people are placed there by the politicians. Yeah. These committees are the ones that make the decisions and they should be responsible for their decisions. Yeah. They don't have immunity. Like they were t- trying to claim that they have the same immunity that a judge would have uh, for making a lawsuit decision. Mm. And and the lawsuit basically said no commissions like this do not have uh, do not have immunity from lawsuits. Right. Mm. Yeah, there was there was a lot of groundwork there, and I I mean, okay, personal opinion is just when when they talk about the wording like bitch versus bastard and like all this, I'm like, okay, on the one hand, yes, it wasn't just flying dog they were saying no no to because you know you had dogfish <laughs> head you had other other brands other other you know labels and things, but the fact that they allowed the other word is like, okay, you don't really have a leg to stand on now, then, do you? Because <laughs> what's the difference? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and that's where I think that's where it comes in of uh, why they revoked the law to begin with or the the policy to begin with. It was because you're making a decision based on your own personal beliefs and not about anything that's that's yeah. kind of out there. And so it's uh. It's interesting. I think that they've got a lot of cool. Uh, this wasn't the first time they they had uh, beers taken out of. Oh, where was the state? They had beers taken out of another state out west uh, um, because of the word, um, of a word on the first one of their first bottles. Was it Utah? And then what's that? I, I don't think was it they would I don't think any of their products hit the uh, ABV requirements for Utah. <laughs> That's probably true. I think it was Colorado, actually. I think it really was the, and that may have been some of what why the the one um, individual decided to go on from beer to politics. But yeah. uh, mm. I think it was Colorado had had rejected one of their their names because it basically used the word shit in it, oh, and they didn't mm. like that. Um, but then there was another incident very similar. Uh, it, they they just kind of went one right after the other. And uh, they, I guess the idea is no, no press is bad press. <laughs> yeah, well, but no, when we look back at the news story and you look at that one and go, they were not courting controversy at all with that. <laughs> like that's controversy <laughs> that just came up out of nowhere. That That's when they had to be looking I mean, at each other going, really? <laughs> I mean, sometimes, but also you, you, you name a beer, you know, raging bitch, you're going to expect expect well yeah but when when your beer that's named easy ipa suddenly causes controversy you're like wait what (laughs) right speaking of that label though yep so most of their controversy does stem around their labeling um 
That's one of the good things, I guess, about the company is it's all about the label. Uh, Flying Dogs labels are easily recognizable and typically stand out on shelves. This is due to the work done by Welsh artist Ralph Steadman in creating the images, which are typically dogs with wings, in his very distinctive style. You may not recognize the artist's names, but you probably recognize the art in conjunction with the journalist and writer Hunter S. Thompson. Steadman provided illustrations to Thompson's articles and books, most notably Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. The surreal and beautifully grotesque style matches up perfectly with Thompson's version of gonzo journalism. Stedman's works are like a surreal nightmare splattered on a page. Images can range from the disturbing to the darkly comic, but there is a certain degree of a beauty and the craft in them that cannot be denied. The proportions of his work are not perfect to scale, and it can lead to see the world as he is showing you in front of your, his own slanted and skewed way. A child in London during the Blitz in World War II and working for the, uh, the RAF during the 50s as a radio sorry, as a radar operator, probably helped influence his darker style. His eventual collaboration with his longtime friend Hunter S. Thompson probably gave him some of the most attention and acclaim, but you can see bits of his work now on Flying Dog Labels. As we've mentioned, Thompson was a friend of co-founder George Stranahan, and it was the Thompson who introduced them back in the 1990. Or just 1990, <laughs> not the 1990. The 1990. In the 1995, he began to design labels for them, starting with the Road Dog Porter, a beer inspired and blessed by Thompson, who wrote a short essay about it titled L According to Hunter. In 2005, says, bless, it almost sounds like, like, you know, like a, 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 oh. a priest blessing. The... <laughs> well, I mean, uh, a lot of people feel that way about Thompson, native Kentuckian <laughs> to be uh, mentioned. Uh. Um, I do want to say the Road Dog Porter was, and that label was actually the first big issue they had with censorship. That was really? the one that had. Uh, it was like good beer, good shit was what was on the label. Oh, cheers. Yeah, something along those lines. But yeah. Um, in 2005, the brewery created a new beer in Thompson's honor, Gonzo, an imperial porter. Initially in limited release in 750 milliliter bottles, the Gonzo Imperial Porter is now one of the regular offerings of the brewery. In October 2013, in honor of the relationship between Ralph Steadman and Hunter S. Thompson, Flying Dog Brewery created an exhibition titled The Gonzo Collection, featuring reinterpretations and responses to Steadman's work by several notable international artists, including Bob Dobb, Nathan Spoor, Justin Bois, Michael Owen, Naomi Cowdery and Nanami. Oh, Nanami. Cowdery and Tatiana Suarez. I'm glad those names are over. <laughs> In regard to the month long exhibit, Blind Hog CEO stated Ralph is one of the true artists in the world. He is also principled, loving, generous, and a human being. He is also a principled, <laughs> loving, generous human being. There we go. All right. Take it. It's all good. <laughs> also a human being. Uh, to pay tribute to him by furthering his impact in the art world is only appropriate. I got to say, like I was when we were like looking some of this stuff up. I was like just looking up some of his pictures. And I was like, God, they're they're great. Some of his <laughs> some of his art is like fantastic, and it's it's it it would on the surface look ugly, but then you realize how much work went into it to make it look like that. 
and it, it, it's distinctly like it's a stylistic choice and it's exaggerating everything in a certain way that it makes it like really just fascinating to, to see yeah mm. for sure yeah, I would the splatter not... that he uses and the mm-hmm. um, almost looks like random splatter but it's not once you take, kind of look at look through it yeah um, uh, I've wanted to get some prints of his for a long time he has a thing I'd, I'd read uh, when he talked about uh, 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 he keeps all of his own originals and like almost all of them. It's like only a couple he's given to like some or sold to some like big things. But he's like, if you if you say you've got an original, you know, Ralph Steadman, you've stolen it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well, uh, Flying Dog um, has quite a few beers that they make. I think I saw 54 beers being there. Um, their average for like 2017. Um, they made 54 different beers. Wow. Um, right now, in package alone, for this year, they have nine year-round beers, 11 seasonal beers, and eight limited-release beers. So uh, just I uh, just want to touch on their, their year-round, their standard kind of go. Um, of course, the one that we've been talking about this entire time, Raging Bitch, which is a Belgian IPA, that beer is actually made with a special type of yeast, um, that that yeast is a Belgian yeast that that's called El Diablo, um, but El that's, Diablo, yeah, and it's coming in at eight point three percent ABV. It's a big boy. Uh, Snake Dog is a seven point one percenter, and that is Caruso's beer at the end of the day, and he's been drinking it I think for eight or nine years now. One beer at the end of the day. Well, he didn't say one, but. <laughs> <laughs> I editorialized there a little bit. He said he drinks it. That's his end of the day beer. So <laughs> how many is still in question? <laughs> exactly. Um, they do a bloodline blood orange IPA. Yeah. Um, sorry, blood orange L standard L not an IPA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, brewed with blood orange peel and blood orange puree, 7% ABV. Now we had this episode last week. Uh, numero uno agave cerveza. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 4.9 percenter sold in bottles and cans. Um, brewed with agave nectar and lime zest. It's a lager. So that's one of the really cool things that they do there is they actually do lagers and L's. The Truth, which is an imperial IPA, comes in at 8.7 percent ABV. It is, yeah. No, it's it's not screwing around. Nope. And it's a solid beer. I like this one, actually. Um, Warrior, Summit, Columbus, Citrus, sorry, Citra and Amarillo hops with an American L yeast. It's pretty aggressive. I think that's why I like A yeah. lot of their IPAs are really aggressive on the hops they choose. Mm-hmm. They do uh, a doggy style Pell L. <laughs> Standard. 5.5% um, with, uh, even with, the pale ale, you still have some Cascade, Citra, and Simcoe in there. So it's a really solid pale ale on that side. Coming in with one of our favorite oyster stouts, mm. Pearl, Pearl Necklace. Necklace. No one's had an issue with the fact they have a beer called Pearl Necklace. <laughs> like, You've got to dive pretty deep into, uh, into the... Uh, Urban Dictionary. <laughs> Urban Dictionary, yeah. Not as um, obvious. Yeah. <laughs> They use an English L yeast in this, which I think really brings out a lot of those fruity notes. Um, man, this is a delicious beer. I love this thing. Oh, yeah. uh, but brewed with Rappahannock River oysters. 
Mm. Uh, a true oyster stout, not one of these <laughs> fake ones. For the for the record, you go to the first definition of uh, of Urban Dictionary <laughs> for pearl necklace. Yeah, you don't have to dive too far, huh? Well, no. to be fair, on the oyster stout front, there aren't a lot of people doing them, and that's why I got extremely excited this year that for their 30th anniversary, Great Lakes decided to release an oyster stout. Oh yeah, and it's it's pretty solid. So, um, last that I'm going to mention here, because one of these I actually am drinking. It's one of my what I'm drinking. Uh, so the last one I'm going to mention is the Double Dog uh, Double IPA. Hold on to your socks because it's 11.5 percent <laughs> on a double IPA. Wow, double IPA. At this point, it's like double the alcohol content with <laughs> Columbus Warrior and Cascade, and just a little light caramel malt, 85 IBUs. That is Jeez. a frightening label as well. <laughs> I'm disappointed in myself, by the way, guys. I'm looking at a, uh, 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 something in the chat from M Beam back when we were talking about the orange peel from their their blood orange thing, orange peel puree. The kind that you find at the second-hand store. Oh, my God. Okay. He beat me. <laughs> I didn't even think of it. He beat us all. I'm looking at their seasonals and the limited release stuff. I figured we're not going to go into every single one of these, but uh, I'm really... Well, I'm, we've tried their uh, their Meritzen. Meritzen's good. The Dogtoberfest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, at some point, want to try that cold brew coffee porter they have. Yeah. If I could find um, that. Yeah, I don't know I when that comes out. I was interested, and I was about to get for us to do a tasting of the Imperial Pilsner. That the they family have. drama? Yeah. Yeah, that's the other holiday one they have out right now. The porter is 6%. That's not bad. Oh, it's nitro. Ugh, I don't mind. <laughs> one of the you, things that... You and your, your nitro hate. <laughs> one of the things that I really think that sets this brewery apart from most of the others that are out there. And one of the things that really have kept this brewery top of mind and top of the conversation is the sheer number of beers they create. You you really can't, I don't, I don't know of another brewer out there, maybe what they produce their Their variety is kind of less, less distributed. Whenever you're looking at flying dog, I'm pretty sure you can get just about everything that they make for distribution wherever you want to go. So there's like 20 or 25 yeah. different styles you can get just about everywhere. Yeah, that was kind of when I was out looking for their beers uh, for something for us to try. It was just like, I always see the same beers from them because you can get everything everywhere. They're like, always there. If yeah. You're, if, yeah, mm-hmm. if you're in their distro market, you're going to find everything they distro, which is yeah. nice. I mean, there's no like extremely limited rare release or something that – you're going to have to wait in line for two hours to try and hope you score a bottle of it. Even at Jungle Gyms, like for the ho- like the seasonal stuff, I mean, you found the the, the winter warmer. They had the uh, the fa- the family drama. I think at some point they even had that, that one on the limited releases. Uh, well, they also, we know that they have the strawberry rhubarb gosa, which sounds amazing, and uh, the mimosa beer. Um, I, I, I remember seeing that at some point. I know some people like the chase of finding that, that, that rare release, but... There's something about just always being able to find everything they have. That's yeah, just... and it's all really good, really, I hate saying solid so much, but it is, <laughs> it's just a great, you want to, it's like a steady foundation brand, like everything, mm-hmm. yeah. their, their Belgians and their IPAs and their Belgian IPAs 
are all just amazing and, and benchmarks cer- of the styles. The Cerveza is really good. Yeah. Like their seasonals are pretty on point too. And they're, I mean, to be perfectly honest, they're the 38th largest brewery in the U.S. of all breweries. Oh, wow. So counting craft and non-craft, they're the 38th. If you count just craft, they're I think number 24. They're larger than Rogue. They're larger than um, Gordon Beers. Larger than Allagash, U- Uinta, and. Revolution and Surly and uh, Ryan. We, we were talking to the story. They're distributing to England. That's you know that's that is not a thing that you know your your local small craft craft brewery in your hometown usually Absolutely. does. True. I mean how long they're distributing all their stuff to England, but <laughs> And I guess it's uh, worth noting that in their independent, uh, I guess, libertarian spirit, they left the Brewers Association. Yeah, they, uh, yeah. you will not find the controversy uh, yeah. involving controversy. Uh, this actually did come back to uh, their good friend and no stranger to controversy, Raging Bitch, and the fact that the Brewers Association just came down and decided they would not uh, promote beers with names like that even mm. if they did meddle and win at uh such events events as the great american beer fest in denver they wouldn't promote the win they, so they would win and they would get their medal but the brewer association said wouldn't. we will we won't bring you up on stage and say the name of this beer so and they got mad at that and left the brewers association so you're not going to find the independent craft beer yeah. label on their beers for that reason they, still, they, they are still craft they yeah, meet yeah. all the requirements to have that label on their beer, but for other reasons, they chose to leave the BA. Yeah. And I still, I'll support that decision because they make great beer. Hmm. Yep. They start making bad beer, though. <laughs> Hammer will have to come down. Oh. All right, well. Um... Speaking of uh, good beer they're making, I think uh, I think we got a little, well, do we want to do what we were drinking first? Because I know... I know, like how I know we... a couple of you were drinking something else. Yeah, so I, I mean, I can go ahead if you want to throw the the <laughs> bumper. Is there one? Yes. Yes. Drink with me, friend. That'll just apply to all of it. We'll just yeah. Um, <laughs> I I I was also drinking something other than the yeah than the tasting. So I, I can go ahead and go with I. You've already mentioned what I was drinking, though, Casey, and you've given your thoughts on it. So is Chris. Right. It's the truth. It's mm, from Flying the Dog, their Imperial IPA, 8.7%, 80 IBUs. Beer advocate score of 4.09 out of 5. Not bad. So. <laughs> I like their description. Yeah, full disclosure, this beer came to fruition because, because we saw a gap in our portfolio and wanted to increase our market share. <laughs> yeah. Not going to lie to you. you. Know. They they just put it out on Front Street there. You got that seven percent ABV beer, and then the next one up is eleven percent. Yeah, it'd be nice to have something in the middle there. Yeah, but it's it is it's really good. It is aggressive hops, which if I had drank this beer two years ago, I would have hated it. Hmm. But you know, the the. The IPA trail I've been on for a while has really gotten me to to, to enjoy all the, the the flavors in there. It is a little bit, I will say, it's a little bit uh, um, a little cloying, a little drying as mm. you're drinking it, but it just makes you want to drink more. 
<laughs> As a good IPA so, will do. A good IPA yeah. is going to make you want more. That's right. Um, but it's it's delicious. It's it's fairly well balanced, and it's got a nice. It's got a really nice bittering flavor. Like like it just sets right on the tongue. I guess is the. Mm. But yeah, Casey, what were you having? Well, um, I had the Gonzo, the Imperial Porter, which uh, it, it kind of ranks up there uh, like a Baltic Porter to some extent. Yeah, I, I think I used it for the Baltic Porter episode. Most yeah. likely, yeah. Um, it is, however, not brewed with lock or yeast. Or with like a Baltic Porter normally would be. It's brewed with two different L yeasts, an American L yeast and an English L yeast. But I also want to say that Dogfish Head, sorry, <laughs> Flying Dog is. <laughs> See? It's not just me. <laughs> no, no it's, it's Flying Dogfish Head. Um, <laughs> oh, man, they merge. <laughs> if only. That would be a conglomerate. That, oh, um, man. They would take over the world and my taste buds. <laughs> 120 minute truth. <laughs> oh. Man. <laughs> Think about that. We gotta, we gotta engineer this. 120 game. minute raging bitch. <laughs> can we just do a collab? It doesn't even have to be a full cool buyout. Who do we call? Do we call Sam about this? Hey, hey, Calgioni. We, we've got an idea. 120 minute ra- raging bitch. Bourbon barrel aged. Come on, do it. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Imperial Porter Gonzo, of course, was we talked a little bit about it earlier. Uh, comes in with some caramel, black, and chocolate malts. Um, Northern Brewer and Cascade Malts, because it's got 85 IBUs. Let me say this, though. I didn't taste 85 IBUs. Uh, 9.2% ABV on this one. Um, but mine comes from 2017. Oh, uh, that's right. You you have you have the aged variant. Yeah, so it just says Vintage 17 EE. I don't know what that means. I'm guessing it just means 2017, um, considering that the... The other beer, I bought Snake Dog, but it's an IPA that looked like it was, I think it was made in 2017 also, whenever <laughs> I bought it mm. uh, a few day, uh, a few moments ago. Um, so, yeah. Some, someone at that liquor store needs to rotate their stock. Yeah, or send things back. I mean, it kind of goes with the fact that you can find Flying Dog anywhere, but I'm pretty sure I'm the only person to ever buy Flying Dog. Uh, if they haven't been through anything. Yeah, they just need to call their but, distributor uh, and get delicious. some of that stuff swapped out. Uh, it's such a light. It's not sweet, and I don't know. I, again, I'm going off of a, a two-year-old bottle here, so keep it for what it is. Um, we're almost in 2019. <laughs> I I really thought it was kind of a dry beer um, in that porter style. Yeah. The the standard, not too cloying, not too, too much of anything, and still... It was kept cold, so I think it, it probably didn't age as hard as it could have. Mm, yeah. But, yeah, no, it, it, that's a that's a pretty solid one. It, it, I don't know if I, you can say it's the best example of a Baltic Porter, but it's my go-to one if I'm looking for something like that. Sure. So, but, yeah. Uh, and then we have a tasting of sorts. Yeah, uh, so we all decided to come together, and because I decided to, I needed to get a beer, and most of their stuff is six packs. You can't find a lot of it in singles, so we decided to get a pack of the K9 Winter Warmer, ale brewed with cardamom, vanilla bean, and cocoa. I can smell some of that vanilla bean. 
Very strong yeah. vanilla and uh, the cardamom. Uh, getting a lot of that. Not really getting a lot of cocoa. I'm getting heavy alcohols, like uh, like fermented warm type alcohols, um, even though it's only 7.4% ABV on the nose. Yeah, this I'm, is style-wise. I'm smelling alcohol, and I'm smelling... I'm smelling cocoa. I'm smelling like a, a, like a, I'm smelling cocoa and maybe some like roasted malt. And I might be like, they're blending together in my nose. I was it, getting something in there. Now that I'm looking here at the, the malt bill, um, the malts that are in this are caramel and chocolate malt, but it's got rye in it as well. Uh, so I'm getting some the of that rye. spiciness that I thought was alcohol may just be spiciness that's coming from the rye. Yeah, the cardamom yeah. and the rye stand out more than anything to me. Man. Also, it's one of those times I realized that, wow, we're, we're picking out rye from smell. We're not identifying <laughs> I mean, it properly necessarily, okay, but we're, no. we're noticing there's something there. You have enough rye whiskeys, you can find it in other it's things. True. Like, it's not it's hard true. to catch it after the fact, but... This is uh, the Canine Winter Warmer. It's 7.4% ABV, as Casey said. Only 34 IBUs. Beer Advocate score, I don't think is fitting. Uh, 3.36 out of 5. Not not a loved beer on Beer Advocate. Brew's description, uh, now is the winter of our content. In the hmm. bosom of the rug of the bear, uh, warmed... warmed by the blaze of the fire, the idle pleasures of the night speak to you. Entertain the fair, well-spoken days, then embrace the prophecies, uh, libels, and dreams of the longer nights. Libels, libels. This, uh, <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm reading it, going, man, that's something I would write for a description. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find something that you know fairly well, and then twist it, convert it into what you into what you need it to be. Yeah. Um... I still don't get a lot of that cocoa. It should be I don't this. taste. Yeah, I don't taste a lot of that. It tastes a little thin to me. Like Ooh. I feel like that. The smell makes me think there should be a lot more flavor on it. I'm not getting a whole lot on the actual taste. Like I was saying, I get a big spice on this. I mean, the cardamom and the rye really stand out to me. I'm getting the vanilla, kind of mellowing it some. I can get where you're. I see where you're saying it's thin. It's not. It's, it's not real heavy. Winter warmers yeah. aren't though. Well, and the way I see not winter always. warmers, it should be kind of what I'm picking up here. It should be big on those spice notes, big up front like that. But it's not going to be it's like not a stout. It's not going to be a stout or a porter when it comes to like that. You know, viscosity or the thickness. It it looks like one, and that makes my brain think I should be expecting that. Yeah, yeah it's got um, those nice dark ruby hues. I don't know where the chocolate comes from, whether it's a nib or, or, I mean, they could be pouring Hershey syrup in here. But what I'm really picking up is cocoa powder mm. on, like, it dries. It's yes. not sweet, but it, it sort of has this weird bitterness to it that is a cocoa bitterness. If, you, if you've ever done, like, a, a spoonful of cocoa. That's like what that, I'm getting. That like alkaline yes. kind of. <laughs> Almost, yeah. yeah. Um, I can see that on the aftertaste. I'm getting like I have a mouthful of the powder sitting on my tongue. Yeah. I when I I just it, now it I just got pulls. to smell it, but like this, I I definitely could smell the spices. Um, I smelled cinnamon, but now that you're saying cardamom's in it, I'm like, oh, okay, that's probably more accurate. Yeah. And then definitely some vanilla. Uh, I didn't smell any chocolate but 
that's usually some kind of lingering flavor in the winter warmers I've I've gathered. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the ones that we've tried for like the video episodes before, and like um, I don't know, just just generally like I, there's always like a hint of chocolate somewhere, even if they don't put it in there. Mm-hmm. There's one thing in this beer that I would really love to see, and it's not it's not a, a knock on the beer, but I know that they can do it, and so it just makes me want to see what it's like. Some sort of chili. Mm. Oh yeah, like well, a, yeah. a mola a type. I'm, I'm really surprised. I bet I, I bet you they have that at the brewery or something I like think that. Think it's Maybe. just because we're getting spoiled with the uh, heat packs and pepper packs <laughs> they keep putting right. out. The the first so thing I thought of. Yeah, the first thing I thought of was like an ancho chili or a. Mm-hmm. They gave us. And I was like, mm. they gave us that amazing pepper or the chipotle stout in that first of their spicy yes. packs that we did, and then I still to the I will never get over the fact that they made a beer that tasted exactly like a Bloody Mary, <sighs> which they yeah. still that's a that's a seasonal still I think, or a limited no, or whatever it is. You could only get any of those beers from those packs. Which, that's, yeah. again, when we were doing those videos and those reviews, a lot of people were just like, holy crap, where did you find that? I've been looking for this everywhere, and we always seem to just get them at the end of their distribution life. The the packs are the hardest thing to find, oddly enough. Like, you can go get a six-pack of any one of their kind of bottles <laughs> that are out, but the, the, the big multi-packs that they do, that's definitely not as easy to grab, which is unfortunate. <sighs> Well, uh, what are our general thoughts on it? What, what what do we all think about this beer? As a winter warmer, I think it's great. I mean, you could start on this one like right now. As it as the season is, we're here in, you know, early, not quite mid-fall. And this is perfect for the days. It's not, it's getting moderate outside. We're not getting cold. We're not getting hot. But this is still great to come home to. Hmm. I like it. I think that it's definitely a... Um, it's definitely more complex, I think, than mm-hmm. most of the winter warmers that I've seen out there that have even added more things to their beer to make it do more. Yeah. So you see these winter warmers that do have, like you are saying, Brittany, cinnamon and, and things like this. But this has that cinnamon flavor from somewhere else, which is really cool. I think the rye and the chocolate playing together with that cardamom, I mean, that's that's a really cool play. I like this as a as a winter warmer, and I think it's actually once when I try to calibrate my tongue to it as I'm as I'm drinking it, I'm liking it a little more and more. I do wish it was a stout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like at the end of the day, I'm looking at it going like, I just wish you were just a just a little bit more, like a thick, but yeah, yeah, but but I am enjoying it. So I think that's because like honestly, I think I don't think any of us are just like about the winter warmers as much, like when they come out. I'm pretty about winter warmers. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm pretty about winter warmers and Scotch ales. I'm just gonna put it out there. Well, I guess like I'm I'm, I'm thinking like for this time of year, usually our first thoughts go towards stouts, you know. And you're gonna see a lot of stouts this when it gets colder outside. But it's different than the winter warmer because the winter warmer is gonna be thinner and have a lot else going on, and it's not everybody's. You and know, it's only seven point four percent. It's not going to be like most, you know, big imperial stouts. It's not going to be like a ten, eleven percent. Or it's like... the bridge to the stouts. <laughs> yeah, I, my IPA was stronger ABV wise than this. <laughs> yeah, when it comes from Flying Dog, <laughs> that's going to happen. I do like that though about this is they did show they 
a lot of their stuff is really hop forward and really aggressive on the IBUs, but in the winter warmer, they do tone down the IBUs and they taught that hop aggressiveness is really pulled back and they showed the restraint that they needed to. They pull back on the hop, but they still show you like, no, look, we, we know malts too. You can. Yeah. They, they put a good malt bill on this. They know how to do flavors generally, it seems. And not flavoring flavors. Yeah. It's let's put natural ingredients. And as I was watching some videos of their brewer, they're not big. Like their, their main production line is using a 50 barrel boiling kettle. Huh. I mean, that that's not much. They're they're producing like 100,000 barrels, a little over 100,000 barrels. They they could do whatever they wanted to with their packaging line. They could package three times as much, but but they're taking their they, time with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's other things they're looking at right now, which I really appreciate. <laughs> keep doing keep doing what they're doing with this. Yeah. Yeah. Quality over quantity. Hmm. <laughs> Especially cuz they're just in Maryland and they they can get to us very easily. <laughs> yeah, we yep. can get to them more easily than we thought. Hmm. I think it's time for a tour and maybe even going to the Flying Dog University. Mm. Telling you, we got to do a weekend at the dogs. Yep. Well, flying Dog and... <laughs> oh, no, we could... Okay. The, by oh. the end of that weekend, it's weekend at Bernie's. Full weekend at the dogs. We leave out of here. We stop for a stay over in Columbus the, at the Brew Dog start Hotel. Start at Brew Dog. Yeah. And then we go on up oh, to Dogfish yeah, Head yes. and then go down to Flying Dog. Yep. Is there an interstate that we runs make our way up? <laughs> then, we detour, then we go from there to Dogfish Head and then make our way back. Yes. Okay, Drinktacular yeah. next year. <laughs> Drinktacular 2010, guys, will be an on the 2020. road. 2020. 2020, yeah. Whatever the next 10 yeah. was. <laughs> It'll be an on-the-road affair. Take 70 over and hit 76, and you'll almost... I mean, oh, no, 70 goes all the way down to Frederick. (laughs) So you've got one interstate that runs from Columbus to Frederick. That's perfect. It's like they want us to do this. It's like they gave us an artery to It's a three-dog night. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, no. No, No, we're driving that whole way playing... Playing Jeremiah was a bullfrog. <laughs> Enjoy the world. Just oh, oh it's too good. Okay, on that note, yeah, we're, we got to stop now because it's never going to get better than that. <laughs> you can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at haveadrinkshow on social media and twitch.tv. Don't forget, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website. <laughs> website <laughs> yeah all joking and fun aside guys like to remind everyone please drink responsibly all right so when again when you're feeling lightheaded and seeing seeing flying dogs swoop down <laughs> from the sky it's time time to Lay switch drivers yeah. Yeah. It's time, yeah time to switch drivers never seen a man in the depths of an ether binge <laughs> all right and uh again uh, uh schedule willing uh <laughs> the next planned episode will be next saturday live so remember to check us out and uh also go over to patreon.com slash have a drink show if you want to support us uh once again i'm Brittany lee walker i'm justin frazier i'm christopher walker and i'm casey price and that trip is only i think six hours (laughs) we'll see you next time bye guys
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>